Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Ken and Donovan. And it's uh, January 27th, 2010. And episode 6. Episode 6. So. So today we will be finishing off the uh, the first miniseries, uh, six-part miniseries that DC Comics did for Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay. So uh, we'll just jump straight into issue number four, which, as everyone remembers, uh, is a continuation of uh, issue number three. So uh, issue number four, entitled Tuesday, not to be confused Tuesday. with Tuesday. Sorry. All right. So first off, we get a little recap of what happened in the previous uh, issue. The saucer section is separated from the uh, engineering drive. And is missing. Uh, Q is on the battle bridge, and the engineering section is uh, has disabled a, an alien craft and captured the four men aboard it. All right, Q claims that there was another man on the alien ship and that he must be aboard the saucer section now, and that's why they can't get a hold of it, that he somehow hijacked it. Uh, Worf does not believe him and then attacks Q. Uh, Q... Uh, in retaliation, shoots Worf with a phaser, but it somehow f- freezes Worf into like this little block of ice. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the saucer section, Riker tries to free the ship uh, from the clutches of these gigantic ghostly hands. Uh, Yar, on the sick bay in the uh, saucer section, wakes up and says, He's here! Uh, as the nurse tries to come over to Yar's side, uh, he trips. And then a cloaked man appears and just punches the, the nurse uh, straight in the face. Uh, the man turns out to be uh, Reglick. Um, R-E-G-L-E-C-H. Reglech. But uh, Yar was referring to him as Reg in the previous issue. And he starts to attack Yar. Uh, then it cuts to back to the battle bridge where Q uh, and Picard are now arguing. And uh, the confrontation turns a little violent and Q attacks him. But nothing happens. Q has discovered that he's now powerless, and Picard takes advantage and just kicks him, uh, beats him up pretty damn good. He gives him a good sock. Yeah. Across the chin in good star, uh, so- uh, superhero style. Uh, he does look very uh, superhero style there. Yeah. Very dramatic. All right, so uh, Wesley comes onto the bridge of the saucer section. Uh, Riker orders Wesley to take the place of Mr. Bickley who uh, was uh, bickering with his wife again, uh, and uh, takes his pla- or Wesley takes his place there at the con station. Or is that navigation? Uh, whatever Data normally does. All right. Uh, I think he's navigation. Wasn't right. Jordy the Yeah, and Jordy was the con one, which is what Wesley becomes when he, when he really grows up and starts being a bridge member. Hmm. Anyways, back to the story. Before right. he drops out. <laughs> All right, uh, Crusher um, contacts Riker and informs him that Yar is missing. Uh, just then, uh, on the bridge, uh, several Qs suddenly appear, uh, and Q being the uh, the gentleman that we know as Q, not the letter Q. 
Right. All right. Uh, Reg is taking Yar into the, some dark tunnel, and uh, this reminds her of her past uh, or their past on the colony. Uh, he reminds her that she was a screamer and that no one ever came to help her but him, and he admits how much he cares for her. Uh, just then, Yar kind of comes to her senses, and then she kicks his butt. Um, she accuses him and all the others of torturing her, and it somewhat implies that maybe uh, it's some sort of rape involved. It seems pretty graphic, but they don't actually say that. Uh, Reg tells her that uh, if she doesn't kill him, then he'll find a way to escape, and he'll find her again and kill her because he's found her once before. Uh, but she does not give in to the temptation to do that and just arrests him. Uh, while she's arresting two men uh, who are just watching over to the side, uh, start talking to each other, and one of them says, very promising indeed. Uh, Yar takes uh, Reg to the bridge, and the two watchers reveal themselves as uh, other Q members, and they inform him that humans have passed the test. All right, meanwhile, back on the battle bridge, uh, the powerless Q uh, tries to take his own life with a phaser, uh, because he's, he says he's being punished because, uh, well, we'll go into why he's being punished later. He just says he's being punished, uh, by the rest of the continuum. Uh, he's about to shoot himself in the head when Picard jumps on him and inadvertently shoots Jordy. Uh, enraged by this, Data just starts attacking Q and is pulled off, uh, by Riker, uh, excuse me, by Picard and Worf. And then it's to be continued. Mm. All right. So... That wasn't uh, too too terribly bad. I thought it was a pretty good one. No, it, it was good. It was, um, uh, I, 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 oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was just going to say, it was kind of set up for the next issue, so not a lot of resolution here. It's more of uh, yeah, more conflict. Right. So you're kind of floating in the middle. But overall, I thought these three issues were, were definitely the best out of the six that we've uh, read now of the Star Trek Next Generation. Yes. Q effects, yeah. Q's day, and then the next one, which is the last one's here today. Uh, is it here today or Q effects? Oh no, that the first one was Q effects. Yeah, the, the first one's Q effects. No, no, no. no okay, the, Q's the day Q is stuff. first. No, 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 no. The Q one we effects. read last week. What was that Q one called? Oh, that one. I had to look it up. Uh, okay, anyway, that was a whole week ago. It was. That was a while ago. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, these so. three Q, this Q trilogy, I thought was really good. Uh, definitely the best out of the six. Next Generation episodes they did in this little miniseries. Yeah, I think so. I, I thought it was... Uh, I had never seen um, quite so much violence with Q before. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of things hinted, but usually in the, in the, in the series, except, uh, you know, it was always like, hey, well, you can't do anything with Q. Um, I think Worf may have found, tried something one time, but it never got this far. Right. And Q never was shooting... Freeze rays out of his hands before, but so it is coming out of his hands. Yeah, yeah it's it is. his hands like exactly palm up, and then you see this like it almost looks ray. like a silver surfer, kind of silver surfer thing. Okay, you know, kind of. I did think it was funny that Q's still wearing the yellow uh, Starfleet, or at least in the first couple pages, he's wearing a yellow Starfleet uh, uniform still, what he was wearing at the end of the last issue. Uh, instead of the normal red that he normally wears, because he normally right. mimics the captain of whatever he yeah. is. Yeah, tries to have authority. Right. Uh, before we actually get into the issue, look, can we talk about the cover real quick? Mm-hmm. Uh, right before we started recording, I, I did notice something. You notice in uh, it shows Reg uh, holding up this piece of cloth that has a communicator on it. Mm-hmm. It's obviously Yar's uh, uniform. Mm-hmm. And then you see Yar kind of on the ground, and she's crying. Yep. But... 
Yeah, what, what he ripped off does not match with what yeah. what uh, what nah, she's still wearing because it just shows like yeah, her it, shoulders missing on the uh, uniform. Not like that would be like the yeah, if, upper if, if quarter the fabric, of her chest. It'd be a lot more interesting. It would be. Maybe they had to cut it off. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they wanted to make a big deal out of the badge because then you really know. It's her uniform, right. even though it doesn't really match with something you could really show. Yeah, when I first read through it, I did notice that it was her <coughs> uniform, but it wasn't until I started doing this recording, I was like, he's holding a lot of her shirt up there. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're not seeing enough of her. Damn it. Okay. So, uh, Picard's coming to blows, Data get, or, uh, Worf getting zapped. Um, yeah, there's a lot of violence. And then later on, when... Uh, when Data goes completely ape and starts yes. whacking on him. Yeah, yeah. Which I, is like, if Data really got pissed, and if he's really whacked on him, yeah. he'd crush his skull. That's exactly what I wrote when, uh, on my note when we get there. I was like, if, if Data wanted to get onto him, there's, there is no way Picard or Worf could pull him off of that. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of butt-kicking in this, yeah. uh, this, uh, this issue. Um, here on page two or three, when uh, Q suddenly changes clothes, uh-huh. and he's wearing like a Klingon outfit, is that the Klingon outfit that like the Next Generation Klingons wore, or it looks more like the uh, original series Klingons to me? Like, no, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Next Gen. Is I it? think. Okay, I don't know. When I when I first read it, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that they're kind of giving a nod to the uh, original series original. Klingons, but but maybe they're not. Yeah, the original series Klingons, they just had cloth. And when I say original series, I'm thinking more like, you know, when Christopher Lloyd played the Klingon in... Oh, in, that's uh, the movie. Yeah, Star Trek Oh, okay, well, that could be. That, that kind. That might be. But the original... I was thinking of the original series yeah. when you were saying that. That was just cloth shirts, right. as I recall. And they, yeah, I think you're right. But I think they did have the sash sometimes in the original series. I think you're right. Uh, another interesting thing is um, Q really did attempt to kill them. On page or, nine, when he's attacking uh, Picard for that last time, right, uh, right before he finds out he's powerless. Yeah, I, I had the same note. I mean, he's he was gonna kill him. He's like, all right, it's over. You're dead. Uh, and you're not dead. He's just standing there. Exactly. So um, definitely, this story took things further than they ever took it in the uh, in the book. That's I mean, true. in the series. In the series, right? Yeah, Q is very malevolent. And then uh, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to spoil the next issue, but. His reasons for being overly mean and being punished by the Q Continuum uh, seemed a little weird to me. But we'll talk about that in the next issue. Yeah. Um, I still like that the, that the ships, the saucer sections being held uh, in place by gigantic ghostly hands. You like that? <laughs> I do. Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it's more fine. of a visual I, representation yeah. because, I mean, the Q Continuum obviously don't have hands to hold anything. No. So, but I thought it was, I, I just think it looks cool with these, these like, Big ghostly claw. hands, like, holding onto the saucer yeah. section. Yeah. You know, I was thinking kind of cheesy at first, but, um, yeah, it's cool. And it reminds and then, me of that Adonis episode. And then, episode. And then you, yeah. I never, oh, God, I hated that. Who mourns for Adonis? Yeah. And then it's got, like, the, the hand man. holding onto the saucer section. Yep. Oh, that was pretty bad. It was bad, but it was there, and you can't deny it. I, no, I can't It deny happened. It. I... <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle the huge hands holding onto the Enterprise. I did read a, a book one time that was, uh, it was uh, one of the Captain Sulu books, mm-hmm. and he was talking to these, uh, like, like, cadets or whatever, and they were like, they said something about, I can't believe that just happened. And then it was like a little thought of Sulu. And he's like, 
oh, you wouldn't believe half the things I was I've gone through. He's like, would you believe that our saucer was or our ship was once held by a giant green hand? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, on page five, when uh, Troy's using her powers to sense what's holding them in place, uh, I thought this was actually more in line with what her powers is in the show. That she can sense other beings or exactly. sense their uh, presences, so but she, not necessarily like fortune telling and exactly. other, which I really absorbing don't like. people's thoughts and stuff, which she could do in the other issues. When uh, when Riker's trying to get the saucer section away, uh, the ship's shaking and he orders everybody to general quarters, which I thought they would already be in if they're already in a battle situation. Uh, but then they, you have these uh, these these. Emergency crewmen with these like funny little helmets on. Those helmets are terrible. Look at those. I mean, it, uh, what is it? I mean, it, yeah. it 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 looks like I don't know what it looks like. In your note, you made a, a reference that it looks like a dog food bowl, and it, oh, that's it. It really does look like a dog. Food it looks bowl. like a white dog food bowl turned upside down, and it even and has a name it. across. The, but it says emergency instead of Fido or whatever. <laughs> And, and I, especially in this series, I think there were other situations where people had some kind of a, uh, a, a hat or, right. or a helmet or something like that. Yeah. And I remember thinking in that episode, too, uh, how weird. Yeah, what's funny is that in all those previous examples, it was more like a cultural thing. Like they would have like some sort of – like the transporter chief in that one issue, she had a, a, a weird helmet. Uh, but here, I mean, he's security. This is like a secu- this is like an official right. hat, not just some sort of symbolism of their their culture. Right. I just thought it was funny. Um, and then while the ship is shaking, West, uh, Wesley's thinking to himself, "This feels just like we are it, like as if we were entering hyperspace." Hyperspace is a Star Wars reference for it, it's their version of warp drive. When they go into hyperspace, that's how they're able to travel faster than light. So, well, I, yeah, and I don't think that's just a, a Star Wars reference. I think that's a comment that's been uh, in a couple different series, but it's never in Star Trek. That I, I know completely of. agree. So, I completely agree. I just thought that was odd. I was like, mm, it's yeah, not, and not a Star Trek uh, term. And then, how would he know what it Babylon, felt like? Babylon to go Five. Babylon Five use hyperspace too. I thought they had to go through those they, little warp, those jump gates. No, they do, but they like jump. They jump goes. into and is that the name of it though? Hyperspace. They they they, they jump into like hyperspace, but I, they might have had a slightly different name. And they do that through the gates. I thought it was a jump gate or something like that. No, I've only seen a handful of Babylon Five. It's a good show. Yeah, I want to get into it, but no time. But I felt like it was. Uh, this is too much. This is just like Deep Space Nine. I'm not even going to give it. a They chance. both came out the same season. Right. And That's I was, funny. And I was already committed to Deep Space Nine. Two, two sci-fi shows about a space station. Uh, but anyways, how would Same Wesley here. know what it felt like to go to hyperspace? I and I was wondering, is this a nod to Star Wars? Or is this more of like a uh, foreshadowing of his time with the Traveler that will be coming up in seven years? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> I've, I, I've thought of foreshadowing of Wesley with his Traveler powers in other episodes or other issues too, but... It did not appear the, that it was. They definitely did not know he was going to be a traveler uh, until like probably year seven, mm. right before they did it. Yeah. In fact, I think they did. Them. I think they were like, uh, well, we want to have a swan song episode, a Wesley episode here at the end. And what can we do that's kind of special with him? Because a lot of people weren't too happy with him being the, the whiny uh, little kid and uh-huh. at Starfleet. Yeah. So I think they uh, came up with like, well, let's reuse that traveler from... It was episode issue or season one that that traveler episode was in, right? Where they go to the edge of space or whatever. 
I thought yeah, it was later, but back. you might be right. Yeah. I know Q. It's another one where Q screws them over. Mm-hmm. All right. Off track. All right. So uh, anything until uh, Reg decloaks? No. No. I- I'm all the way up to 11. Yeah. So you go ahead and cover it. Uh, the only thing I was going to say is that when Reg decloaks, uh, he looks a lot like the Hobgoblin does in uh, the Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. And it never really shows if he has a nose or anything. So it's like the, well, the shadow's always covering up his nose. We see his whole face in issue number three, and he has a nose. But for sure. he just looks odd in, in these pictures when he's wearing this in cloak of invisibility. I call it cloak of invisibility because that's what it's like. It's not a... It's not a uh, personal cloaking device or whatever, which they call it in, in the uh, in the issue. It looks like yes. something Harry Potter would be wearing. <laughs> cloaking device? Yes. My cloaking device. And this is nothing like Jordy and, and Roe when they get personally cloaked in that one issue or one episode uh, where they get cloaked and they can move through walls. and crazy That's stuff when they're like out, of, out of phase or something, isn't it? Yeah, but wasn't it due to they were trying to do a personal cloaking or something like that? Or was that just oh. a side effect of some... I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. I know if anybody ever listens to this, they're going to be like, they're doing the podcast and they can't remember that that happened in episode blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Oh, well. We'll try to get better. But hey, we remember some odd things. Yeah. Who mourns for If we knew we were going to talk about it, we would probably uh, research it. But a lot of this stuff is from the hip. All right. Page 11. What would you have? Uh, page 11, I was just, I, I'm just in constant amazement of this Bickley character. Well, isn't this the last time we see him? Uh, in this, yeah, we didn't see him in the last one. Yeah, in number six. Oh, yeah, yeah, number six. But I don't so, think they're in number five either. Uh, probably not. But it's like, what's the point? I mean, so he, he gets angry. Uh, Riker finally says, hey, get the heck out of here. You're a pain in the butt. And then well, uh, he was talking to, back to Troy earlier. Yeah. And then, uh, then he gets um, Wesley in there and, and takes he, his and, place. And he calls him Ensign Crusher, which I thought was odd. Oh yeah, he's yeah. not acting Ensign yet. No, no. And so, of course, Bickley's uh, not happy about that at all. So heads out. Right. You you should read some of the letter columns here in this issue and in mm-hmm. the next issue because in this issue, I think everybody who writes in is like about issue number one. I love the Bickleys. They're so you should keep them around. And I remember reading it and going, what? And then in issue number six or five in the letter column, they put in everybody was like, we hate the Bickleys. If they ever show back up. I think one guy actually says, uh, uh, if if you've already drawn them in issue number five and six, just go ahead and use liquid paper and get them out of there. (laughs) And I was like, that's how I feel. All right. So um, it's kind of like George R. Banks. Get rid of them. Uh, one thing on page, uh... And by the way, I don't want to digress, but uh, I'm going to. No digressing. Did you see the interview of George Lucas on The Daily Show? Uh, from which... He's been on there a couple of times. Well, like last week. No, I missed it. Uh, it was pretty good. And he was on there, and basically he was defending, uh, and he was saying, which is true to some degree, uh, he's talking about how he just has different generations of fans. Uh, some of the people that grew up with the original three... They love the original three. They, they they really don't like the newer ones. Yeah. And the people that are younger, they like the newer ones, and they don't. They, they think the old ones are boring. And he said, um, you know, there are some people that just love Jar Jar Binks. And it's I said, true. it is true. Really? No. I. You know, I'll agree with you up to that point, George. Jar Jar, 
Jar Jar sucks. <laughs> I had an argument with my mother just the other day uh, about Jar Jar Binks because she was like, they really messed up by not having him that much in uh, episode two and three. She's like, he was barely even in episode three. And I'm like, yeah, yes. that is a good point. Yes, because he's... I'm sorry. He's a little he silly. Uh, real quick, on page 10, when when they first find out that Q's powerless and that uh, Picard is not dead, Picard says, sorry, Q. Um, obviously, reports of my obliteration have been greatly exaggerated. Which I thought was odd. I mean, not odd. I thought it was pretty cool because they use that same line in First Contact when he says uh, reports of my assimilation has been right, greatly exaggerated right, 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 or something right, right. like that. I just thought that was cool. I know that it's a it's a riff on another famous quote, but I just thought it was funny. They they used it twice now in Star Trek that I know of. All right, so uh, when when Yar's missing and Kirk or Riker's looking for her, he actually calls security to go looking for her deck by deck. Why couldn't he just say... Computer, locate exactly. or uh, Counselor Troy. No, what's her name? Lieutenant Yar. Oh, looking for Yar. I'm sorry. Yeah, when Yar was looking missing from sickbay. Oh, right, 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 right. Well, um, consistency. They didn't have Michael Okuda. Who, who's that guy who does consistency? Uh, the new guy. No, he's just new. He was with uh, the uh, next gen forever. Yeah, and he was with uh, Deep Space Nine and right. Yeah, he's exactly. Been he was like on. All, all and he's done all the Star Trek encyclopedias and things like that. Yeah, continuity. So yeah, you probably. want that continuity. What do you think about Yar's uh, backstory when she and Reg are thinking about when they were little kids and stuff? Did you get the same sense that I was? Or I was even oh, yeah. a little confused. I mean, because the way Reg is talking <clears throat> about it, he talks about how much he loved her and he was the only one that would help her. Yeah, when he, he wasn't raping her. But, but did, did he? I'm assuming he I did. Think so. because I the, think so. Because then it flips and it suddenly... Her thoughts, and uh, she yeah. says something to the effect of that it's his fault and all the others that make them, uh, that uh, force me to do things that I didn't want to do. So that makes me think, eh. No, he, he, he was. But so is he just like really he messing with her mind now? Like, oh, I, I loved you, and well, I've come may, all this way well, maybe, for you. Maybe he had some kind of warped uh, desire to maybe be with her, but come on. It, it was going to turn bad. Sorry. In yeah. the end, this guy's just bad blood. I mean, he's he's nuts. Yeah, he's crazy, man. And, and, and besides, most everything's happening here is all a setup for a test for the cues. So, right. Who knows if half of the things this guy is saying and doing is all influenced by the cues? Oh, you think they just to set up the situation? I, I kind of well, we'll get into it next issue. But I thought that <coughs> it was more Q trying to set Yar up by giving her uh, an easy person to kill. Well. That's my point. Yeah, but I don't think he so manipulated, going on manipulated him at all. I think he just gave this guy an opportunity that he wouldn't normally have to well, get back with Yar. I think he manipulated him to some degree, too, mm-hmm. to make this kind of stuff all happen. I mean, did all the thing? I mean, there was... A, well, we'll see it in the second, second episode. But there's a lot of things that happened that set Q up with the opportunity to redeem himself. Right. And you think that was all just coincidence? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to say this on, on page 12. Yeah. One of the few depicts drawings of Q that actually looks like John Delancey. Right. Yeah, when he's standing there next to Mrs. Bickley. Exactly. In the bottom uh, bottom uh, cell of page 12. Yeah. On the left. He, yeah. It, they actually made an effort to make it look like John Delancey. Yeah, I agree. And which, that's about it. Which is the one where I think he shouldn't look anything like John Delancey. Right. As we've seen in other, uh, other episodes of Star Trek, uh, Q... 
different cues look like different people. Right. I mean, we had, mm-hmm. what was his name, Quinn or something there in Star Trek Voyager where he wanted to kill himself, and they stuck him in that comet. Yeah. That Voyager ended up breaking open, and then Lady Q, which is uh, was in the Q and the Gray, right. where where the factions of Q were fighting each other, and they ended up having a baby, Little Q. <coughs> Little Q. Uh, and then obviously Trelane from the uh, Trelane. Squire of uh, Gothos, which who turned out to be a Q retro retcon or whatever they try to say that he's uh, some sort of Q, but obviously in the episode he's not Q. Well, uh, in some novels though, they yeah, say and that. in uh, other comic books too. There's a there'll be a comic book later on that'll have Q and Trelane uh, fighting, not really fighting each other, but kind yeah. of pitting. Their ver- his Enterprise versus his Enterprise kind of... Uh, right, 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 right. So, like, Trelane is like, Kirk, Kirk's so much better than Picard, and Q's like, Picard is so much better than Kirk, and they're like, well, let's see what would happen, and they actually switch Kirk and Picard so that Kirk is now uh, on the Enterprise D and Picard is on the Enterprise, the original Very Enterprise. Cool. <laughs> it's actually a really good episode. Uh, Stop for a second. But, uh, so... Can we just jump to Power Girl? Absolutely. Okay, so you've been talking about Power Girl before, and it's like, I never knew the character. Um, but I definitely became familiar with her from um, from that audiobook, right. Armageddon or whatever it was. Uh, it was Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis, I right. think. Okay. Yeah, she played a big part in that. A big part. And now I finally see Wonder Girl, or Power, Power Girl, Girl, on page 16. Uh, ad. Don't miss Power Girl. And I say, yes, don't miss her. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty hot. I really like Power Girl because uh, originally she was written as an alternate version of uh, Supergirl. Uh-huh. So uh, back then there was several different <coughs> Earths and there was Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3. Yeah. Uh, so Supergirl, the Supergirl that we're normally used to was on Earth 1, which was the main continuity. Right. And then they wanted to make it a little different for Earth 2, so Supergirl was older, and instead of being called Supergirl, they named her Power Girl. Mm. So she had no affiliation with Superman. She didn't wear the shield or anything. But then uh, right before this... this uh, Right before this miniseries came out, this Power Girl miniseries that's being ad- uh, advertised, DC did this big Crisis on Infinite Earth where they squished all their continuities mm-hmm. into one Earth. Right. Well, they had a Supergirl, so they didn't need a Power Girl. Or no, 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 that's not it. They only wanted Superman to be the only Kryptonian, but they still wanted to keep the character Power Girl. So that's why they did this uh, this like miniseries where it says that, you know, don't miss the, her uh, origin uh, kind of thing because it was a brand new origin. So in this miniseries, they totally threw away the Kryptonian thing, and now she's a uh, a descendant from uh, Atlantis, ancient Atlantis. That huh. somehow she uh, was cast into the future, and she has all these powers and stuff. But um, it's a okay miniseries. But uh, it, I thought it was pretty good. I always liked Power Girl uh, for for not the obvious uh, reasons. For more than just her looks. Yeah. We do have, at one time, Riker talks about how he used to have Q powers. I thought that was kind of cool. Kind of alluding yeah. to that, what was it, Hide and Q, that episode. Oh, was that the name of the episode? Yeah, early I remember the episode, season. I don't remember the name. Yeah, where he, uh, he gets the Q powers and he makes the comment of uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Exactly. How often is that the case? All right, so uh, Q's about to kill himself. Any comments there? No. Now, Although, I do have a comment that I do like on page 18 where they refer to, um, not the saucer section, but the engineering and the, and the, uh, and the engine section, the battle, the battle section, yeah, I guess, the, as the star drive section. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I kind of like that. Do they ever That's call it more... that? Is it, is it ever called that? <clears throat> I, I don't remember it being 
somehow, somehow I'm thinking somewhere along the line they called it that. Right. But I can't point to a specific instance. Hmm. I thought I that's a pretty cool name. It is a cool name. Star Drive section. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that brings up another thing I meant to ask, and it's not really relevant to this issue, but how fast can the saucer section go? Not too fast. Can so, it not? So, well, I mean, if all it's got is impulse engines... So, okay, they're not going to be blown up with the, uh, with the star drive section. But after that, they're going to be slow going to get anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, they're always separating it for, you, you know, to, for the saucer section to go somewhere else. And right. then, but how fast can they get out of the way uh, before oh, whatever's attacking the, uh, the star drive is just going to go a little bit further to kill the uh, saucer section? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I kept I kept waiting for them here in the comic book to say, all right, let's let's warp back to uh, the Star Drive, but they never do. So that's a good thing. They're, they're keeping up with continuity. There you go. All right. So can I also say something? You can say whatever you want. Page twenty. They're showing some close-ups of their depiction of a phaser. And I gotta say, you mean the remote control? <laughs> Not even. Uh, what what does that thing look like? It kind of looks like the bottom of like a sneaker or something. Yeah. Like a kid it's, it's or like, something. It's like he looks there a little bit like Maxwell Smart getting ready to make a phone call. <laughs> it does look like a cell phone. You're absolutely right. And I uh, I, I just think so much of this is very good. Uh, you know, good good, good artwork and stuff. And it's like crappy phaser depiction. Right. I would agree. Yeah, it just doesn't look good. So uh, one last thing that I have before we go on is um, Q losing his powers. They actually did an episode later in the season mm-hmm. series that where he is being punished and he <coughs> loses his powers. Yep. Uh, I think it was called Deja Q. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, which we'll get into more. It, to me, what happens in Deja Q uh, is a lot like this next issue that we're going to go into. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind of cool that maybe the writers of the series had read this comic and they were like, hey, we'll, we'll adapt that into an episode someday. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. One thing in that Deja Q that I thought was really kind of cool is there was a part where uh, where Picard's called down and uh, Q was really worried and stuff. And he said, uh, well, I was just, I just be, suddenly became uh, <laughs> fatigued or suddenly, and then I, and then I passed out. And he's like, oh, it's weird. And then I finally woke up, but, and then Picard just goes, you fell asleep. <laughs> and I was like, when he was first describing, I was like, what's he getting on? Oh, oh yeah, he fell asleep. Oh. And then doesn't he do the same thing about being hungry, about his, his stomach's hurting or something? Yeah, right, right, right. Um, one last thing I want to talk about, and this is more of a personal note. Here on the uh, little advertisements for coming attractions, mm-hmm. they have a uh, what, what's happening in Star Trek, the uh, original series, uh-huh. series, and also what's the next issue of uh, Next Generation. This issue here, uh, I think it's 51. Uh, this is about when I really got into comic books. And I really remember reading this one in particular, and it's called Hell in a Handbasket. Huh. And throughout the story, they use... The word damn, D A M N. And I remember as a kid, you know, I was probably sixth grade or something reading this, and I'm like, what's damning? <laughs> right, damning, right. what is this? And then when I figured it out, I felt all grown up. I, I know how to spell damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how I would have expected, phonetically. Yeah. All right, so you want to jump straight into the synopsis for uh, issue number five there, Ken? Okay, so we're going to do uh, issue number five, second for today, called Q Effects. 
It is part um, three of the three-parter. And now we see the final resolution of, um, of the three-parter, namely what happened to Jordy, which is our big, our big thing. Right. Okay, saucer section returns to the engineering section, uh, sometimes also call, called the star drive section. Right. And Jordy is shot and well, maybe dead. So uh, Data, upset and crying, and again I'll say, Data shouldn't have emotions yet, uh, attacks Q again. Data stops only when Picard gives him an order to stop. Q begs Data to kill him. Riker, Crusher, Yar, and the captive Reg arrive on the battle bridge. Riker thinks more about his time with Q powers, which of course happened in an episode long ago, and tells Q that losing his powers allowed him to appreciate humanity even more. Hmm. Making uh, lemonade out of lemons. Uh, Reg accuses Q of manipulating them and does a good job of beating him up, even more than Data and Picard have done so far. So Q is definitely taking his lumps, even though you really don't see him, you don't see Bleeding blood or anything. anything. No. You think he should look worse but, yeah. uh, in, the, in the artistry. Uh, Q admits to uh, getting Reg to try and provoke Yar to show the Q com- continuum how wrong humans are. He tells him his assignment this time was to bring the whole crew into the continuum since Riker alone refused last time. And really, I, I didn't remember from that episode... I, I, sorry, I digress from telling the story. But I really don't remember the point of that episode where Riker gets the, episode, uh, gets the pop, Q powers that they wanted him to become part of the continuum. Yeah, I, I, I knew that he offered him to be part of the continuum, but I always thought that it was just to... Screw around with them, with humans yeah. even more. Right. Okay. Anyway, so Q passes out due to his, due to his injuries and is sent uh, to sick bay along with the dying Geordi. Worf is against Q being treated as an equal. Picard reminds him that he is a dirty Klingon who only a short time ago would have been looked upon the same way. Smiley that face. That was paraphrased. Yes, yes. Uh, D- uh, Donovan was obviously gay. But, uh, yeah, that was, kind of, that was kind of funny. I like that. Uh, in sickbay, we, we learn that Jordy is alive, but in critical condition. Data is upset that Crusher is attending to Q and not to Jordy. Wesley tells him that humans should always do whatever they can for their fellow man. Wesley takes Data out to play hollow ball. Pretty mature of him. Taking the lead like that. Yeah. Exactly. In the brig, the humans fight about getting caught. Um, the guards fall for a trap, and are overpowered when they try to break it up. A firefight ensues, and all but Reg and another prisoner are left. Reg kills the other guy in cold blood and races off, showing what a nasty guy this Reg guy is. But he loves Yar. (laughs) Influenced by Q. Okay, uh, Picard is looking at a large fish tank in his ready room, and hears a noise outside the door. He is blaming himself for Jordy's condition. He comes out and finds Yar and Worf fighting. Yar fears that Reg will attach will attack Q. Meanwhile, Q awakes and Jordy worsens. Doesn't look good. Does not look good. Keeps tune in next week. No, no, this continues. Uh, Data is playing hollow ball with Wesley and does not want to play due to worry about Jordy, or that he realized that hollow ball is a stupid game. Again, that More was More editorial <laughs> comment from Donovan. Reg appears in sickbay. He shoots at Riker before his phaser is shot from his hand by R. Reg gets another phaser and places it to Gordy's temple. 
majority sample. Uh, data shows up and is shot several times in the chest, which I have comments on. Uh, as Data is losing power, Q throws himself in the path of the phaser blast and dies. Reg is captured and the Q rewarded for his selflessness by getting his powers back. Q fixes Geordi. The end. All wrapped up in a nice little uh, a nice little package. package. Indeed. Yeah, so um, yeah, so they wrapped this up fine. Yeah. What would you think of the cover here? It shows uh, Worf and Picard kind of fighting with Q in the background. And then in the foreground, you have Geordi laying over Data's lap, dying with his right, arm right, out. Right, and right. Data's looking all sad. Doesn't that look like the uh, the really famous depiction of uh, Mary and Jesus when she's holding mm-hmm. his, his, his dead body? Yeah, it, does. it does. I mean, it even has, like, you know, his, his head kind of tilted the same way. Data's yep. head tilted the same way. It just... I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Hey, look at sad data. He's so sad. <laughs> well, what's funny is that in the background, you see Worf and uh, Picard, and their their uniforms are purple. Um, I have this issue. This is one of the first, uh, like I said, I started with issue number four for The Next Generation. So uh, I, when I bought this, I was even then I was like, that's purple. Exactly. That's not right. That's not, that's not, the, only, that's not the only mistake. On this page? That's right. Well, actually, it's act, the real... Grammatically, I think the pay, the uh, the real problem is actually on page uh, page two, the, the the first inside page. Um, See if you can notice the problem. Nope. Okay. So on the cover, it's Q effects. Uh, on the inside page, it is Q effects. Hmm. Interesting. Now, assuming that that was meant to be a noun, it should be effects. Yeah. But if it was intended to be the verb, it should be effects. I think it's more the verb because you're talking about how Q is affecting everybody, making data sad because he and killed his I, best friend. And I thought it should have been effects because I thought it was more like the noun. Yeah. You know the, uh, you know these are the effects that that of Q on the on the on the crew. Yeah. But the main point is they have two different titles wow. and they, they they screwed up the spelling a little bit. That's pretty funny. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Well, there's another That's mistake. That's my contribution. There is another pretty glaring mistake on uh, page three. There's actually two mistakes. Ah. But it's definitely a grammatical uh, mistake. Okay. Well, I'm not going to read through this. Right. What is it? Uh, data says, I'm an android. I Oh, uh, he, he's using I a contraction. Am. Yeah, he's using a contraction. And he also, on the same page, says, he's done. So on one page, they screwed up twice. Hmm. Good point. But then again, he cries and has emotions. So So maybe... Uh, so do you think Q's causing him to cry? The Q continuum? Or do you think it's just uh, oddly written before, you know, he before just, these characters were really uh, flushed out in the show? I think it was more that. Yeah. Or, they, he, or they just said, you know, Data, if he doesn't have any emotion, he's going to be kind of boring in a comic book. I don't know. I, think they did a good I, job I disagree with, Spock. with him. Spock comes off pretty good, I think. I, in the comics. I, I think they did. I disagree with him. I think it was a bad move. Well, and, and, but Q's not around all the time. I mean, he's, well, he's I'm in talking these about the Q but. continuum. Oh, uh, yeah, you but mean he, like in earlier issues? Yeah, well, like the first, the first issue. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was displaying emotion back. But then, he wasn't so. crying like a baby. <laughs> you killed my friend Jordy. And then he even says he's praying to uh, Jordy's God. Yeah, 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 which you know that's funny in its own. But then also, 
every Star Trek always seems so anti-religion. They're always like go out of their way to explain that oh, well, religion's not real. I mean, how silly are these people who well, think they usually believe in it. a god? Well, most no, episodes they flat just out avoid say it. it. Well, in some, but in most episodes they just avoid it. Yeah, but I just, well, what, what about what about that episode uh, on Voyager where they uh, where uh, Captain Janeway goes through her transformation from purely cold scientific into somebody that says, you know, there probably is something in this higher being thing. Remember that episode? I do not remember that episode. Oh, I thought you were the I thought you were the Voyager fan. No, I'm really not a big Voyager fan. Oh, okay. That's you maybe maybe you missed it. I'm a, I, I just don't remember it. But I just keep but, remembering yeah. that episode where Picard is on that planet of the like uh, cave Vulcanoids, where yeah. they, they look like Vulcans, except they're they're supposed to be like cavemen, and they see Picard and they think that he's a god, and they start worshiping him and stuff. And then you know, several times in that episode, Kirk's, I mean, Picard's like, I can't believe they believe in gods. How primitive! Who on earth would believe in a higher being? And you're just like, come oh, wow. on, really? Yeah, it's really because <clears throat> the whole episode I'm because just like, come on because there was another uh, there was another episode. Where I don't remember the exact circumstances, but Picard was asked by somebody somebody else what he thought of God. Who and he asked Picard? Somebody asked Picard? Yes. And Picard said when you look at the incredibly incredible complexity of the universe hmm. uh, and he mentioned some other things on the beauty of a rose or whatever. And then he says, I can't believe it's just random. Hmm. So that, that was a, that was a different. Uh, that, that's a good saying, but uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah he said it. I thought, um, it was, I thought it was pretty good. On page, but, 11. but yeah, you're right, right. But how about the whole character of on uh, Deep Space Nine? Um, well, Deep Space Nine is very spiritual uh, with exactly. the with the the prophets what's, and all that stuff. Exactly. And what? Yeah. And what's the second in command? What's her name again? Kira. Kira. Right. Kira Nerys. Very religious. Yeah, which I like that because yeah. I think that. I think that uh, there, there still will be a religion and everything, several religions this far in the future. Uh, what I think is funny is that on page 11, when you have Jordy uh, dying and, and, and uh, Data's kind of standing over him with Wesley, and he says something that's almost like word for word exactly what's in Superman the Motion Picture. Oh, really? Where uh, Superman, after his uh, dad dies, Jonathan Kent dies, he says... All of these powers, and I couldn't even save him. And that's right. like almost exactly what uh, Data's saying here. Uh, you know, basically saying that uh, he should have been able to save him because he's superhuman. I just thought that was kind of funny. And then Troy, and then Troy actually says that she can sense all these emotions from Data. So now, not only is it a visual that he's crying and feels looks upset, she actually says, "I can feel your." Uh, what does she actually say? Uh, I can feel much fear and confusion as well as anger. So she flat out says, I can feel your emotions, which yeah, which, which we know she can't. No, of course not. And that, she what never BS? feels an android's emotions until Lol. Data's child. Lar? Lol. What's, who's Lal? Or was her name Lar? Who's Data's girl when he builds that doll? Oh, that chick. Yeah, her name was Lol. Was it Lal? Yeah. Oh, that sounds stupid. But yeah, I remember. I remember that. I remember that episode. That's one of my favorite episodes. No, it, it was a good episode. I just remember her name being Lau. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. Oh man, I mean, come on, Lau than Lore or whatever Data's well, brother's but, name is. But or go away. From, I mean, his name was. <laughs> his name's Data. His brother, his older brother's name is Lore. I mean, get away from the L.O. 
or the L. Go, you know, go with, use a different letter. Well, she picked her own name, remember? Oh, did she? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. I have a comment. Uh, as you're going through this very long um, series of dialogue and stuff. Right. And this is down to seven. I mean, they're just doing all this dialogue and stuff. And then um, and, and then I'm just going through all this. And all this stuff's going on. And it seems like they're all talking clinically about all these kind of things. It's like, does anybody but Data give a rat's butt that Jordy's dying? <laughs> it's like... That, that was that's true. Anyway. And even after they're gone to the sick bay, uh, nobody really seems that upset about it except for Data and uh, Wesley. Yeah. And what's funny is that when when they actually take him, uh, when Data picks up uh, Jordy's body on page uh, five, uh, it looks like Wesley's like caressing Data's arm or something. It looks really awkward. <laughs> it just looks wrong. All right. What else you got? Well, uh, let me see. What'd you think of the brig when it shows it? I thought it was I thought it was different. It doesn't look anything like the TV show, but no, I, I thought it looked or, pretty good. Yeah, the... I mean, I don't remember it looking like any brig before. It looks it looks like it was just a, a bunch of Quonset huts just stuck there on an, in an open deck. Okay, what's a Quonset hut? It's, it's a military uh, metal kind of temporary shelter kind. Oh, of thing. okay. You just stand alone. You just like dump it there. That's you know. Gotcha. All right, and then uh, when yeah. Data and Wesley are playing the the, the game, oh, they're wearing the helmets. More again. stupid helmets. These are different helmets. These are not emergency helmets that look like upside down. Okay, so we're talking about page twelve for any of you that might actually have the uh, have the book, but we've got these two security guards who are wearing helmets that look like. Um, who who who's the X Men? Oh, Magneto. Rock? Well, I wasn't thinking of Magneto. Oh, you, I was thinking about the juggernaut? guy, that, Juggernaut. That's right, Juggernaut. <laughs> they do like Looks like Juggernaut helmets. <laughs> they do. I never thought of that. <clears throat> it's like everybody's got to have all these different stupid. And helmets they have on. like a uh, like the uh, the Enterprise logo right on the forehead. On the forehead, right? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So why are those guys so different from the guys that had the emergency hats? Because these are just uh, these are security these guys, are just MP kind of guys, and okay. those other guys were emergency. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> they lose them pretty quick when they jump in there to break up the fight, and then the prisoners kind of beat the crap out of them. And yeah, it's like that's like the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, why didn't one of them just say, "Hey, I gotta go to the bathroom," and then they open the door and beat them up then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, can I go to the washroom? There's no washroom in here. What kind of <laughs> Advanced engineer from the future designed this place. What'd you think? Well, there's no bathrooms on Enterprise at all. What are you talking about? They never show them. What'd you think of the they fish? The them. fish tank there and the and Picard's ready. Is, that, is that what the phasers for? To go to the bathroom? Yeah. You just zap it. Midstream. Yeah. How's that going to work? Good aim. Very good aim. <laughs> What'd you think of the fish tank? It's like I thought the fishbowl was pretty unique. It's unique. It's not. In, I mean, Picard does have a fish tank in his ready room. But yeah, but it it's, doesn't look like and it's a nice one. But this thing is big, and, and it's very like right in the middle one. of it, and it's like this big. Looks like a big gigantic uh, egg kind of thing. All right, so um, I do think it's funny that when Picard finds the Yar and Worf fighting, he calls them Bickleys. Uh. The only reference to the Bickleys in this episode, this issue. Come on, we gotta talk about Hollow Ball real quick. I've been waiting a long time. 
Go ahead. What the hell is it? I don't know. Look at this. It looks like a pool cue. You're supposed to throw the ball through the pool cue and let it hit you in the head until you're almost unconscious. Look at, look at and Wesley. And the ball has like this big spike on it that you're supposed to then catch in this uh, this little triangle that he's holding. The ball has a party hat. It looks like a you know, jack-in-the-box uh, New Year. F- uh, do you guys have jack-in-the-box? Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on, man. Some places don't West. have jack-in-the-box. Come on. All right. So page 19 is what we're talking about. So uh, it actually shows a little bit of... Uh, yeah, so it shows Data throwing the, the hollow ball, and uh, Wesley hits it with his head and then catches it in this little uh, paddle. And then when he throws it back to Data, it just soars over his head. He's like, you didn't even try. I'm sorry, I'm just so upset. <laughs> yep. Jordy's my best friend. Did I tell you about Jordy being my best friend? <laughs> He's very sad there. He's very sad, as he is mo- through most of these two episodes. So, um, when he isn't being angry. So, on page 18, is that weirdness? Again, with the head stuff. Um, the stuff Crusher at, the Dr. Crusher has on her head. Yeah, she's wearing a weird old helmet with like a, like a, a lens over one right, eye. Right, 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 Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. You are not wrong there, sir. Interesting, interesting design. And then on page 20, near the end, or coming towards the end. In the upper right hand drawing, it's a picture of Q who's about to get uh, shot by Reklick, and uh, and he just looks so happy. Like, goody, goody, you're gonna kill me! Now, remind me in that episode of uh, uh, the Next Generation when when Q loses his powers, did he try to kill himself in that one too? I don't remember that. See, I can't remember either. I don't remember that. I don't remember the uh, the suicide thing. But you would kind of think that he might. Yeah, you think so. All right, and then the last thing I have is on page 22 when Data's getting shot, full-blown yeah. in the chest. Yep. He looks very Superman, like 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 George Reeves, just kind of standing there, just taking it full in the chest oh, while he's right, just right. slowly walking up, <coughs> which yeah, the, uh, doesn't they, make sense at all. Cause no sense. He would, his, his shirt's fine. I mean, it, it's not like it's not like Reglick is, has it on stun. No, he, he says, this is on kill, and I will kill you. Because uh, he was going to vaporize... Um, Vaporized Jordy, like he did uh, his his friend there in the brig. So not only is Data not being blown to bits, which you would think anything would be, especially his clothes. Um, but yeah, exactly. Not even his clothes. I mean, is his Superman clothes <laughs> that also magically never gets hurt because it's made out of his baby blanket or something? Well, that or when they rebooted him around this time, uh, Superman, he he has an aura around him. That uh, anything, aura. yeah, anything that's uh, skin tight <coughs> is protected by this aura. That's why his his, oh, his cape will line. always get torn up. But his, and that's how he can breathe in space. Well, he can't breathe in space. In the new version, the one that came out in '88, he couldn't breathe in space anymore. He had to hold his breath. Now he could hold his breath a damn long time, because uh, <laughs> he is Superman. <laughs> so, anyways, and then uh, Data or Q redeems himself and gets his powers back. That is exactly how it is in the uh, that episode, right? He's is, in the episode. I remember he's like going to kill himself or going to sacrifice himself uh, so, for some so reason. that yeah, because yeah, I think, I think he, right. he he made some aliens mad. The aliens found out that he's on board the Enterprise and they're going to destroy the Enterprise unless he beams over. And then he beams over, and the Q continuum don't want him to die, so they give him back his powers. But and then he yeah, has fun. Yeah, so same thing. He he, uh, he sacrifices himself for somebody else, and then. That's right. All's forgiven. And then, of course, the light ending, where you've got the entire crew and Jordy gets up 
after being resurrected, they all go, Jordy! All in unison. And he's like, hey, uh, what happened? Yeah, it's funny. I especially hate that, though. I mean, look at the look, especially Data's look. Hey, my buddy's back! Jordy! Yes, he, he does look kind of comical. All right. Um, I do kind of like, I mean, it's a miniseries. Yeah. Um, and they've got little hooks to the next right to the next episode. So. Yeah, you got to kind of remember when this was coming out, it was the very first season of the next generation being on TV yeah. and they had no idea if this thing was going to sell or not. Right. So, uh if you read the letter column, uh I think in issue number 6, they're like, "Good news, there is going to be a second season." And right. and then you, that made me really think about it. I was like, "I guess they didn't know." I mean, you know, we kind of take it for granted that we, oh, yeah. we've had next generation for 20 years exactly. now. But uh, when it came out, it, it was it probably was a tough sell. I mean, everybody who likes Star Trek, oh, Kirk is Kirk is the only thing we want to see. Exactly, so it would have been a hard sell. Where now we kind of take it for granted. Uh, you can change Kirk. You can give us Archer. We'll eat it all up. Exactly, and we have over the years, or even have totally different uh, actors yeah, and cool. situations being Kirk and Spock. So on to number three. All right, so let's just jump right into issue number six, the last issue of this uh, six-part miniseries. Uh, it has a cover date of July 88. It is entitled... I didn't Here Today. Down. Here Today. I didn't write it down. All right, so it starts off with uh, the Enterprise is traveling to the mythical planet Faltos. Uh, Picard gives Data the coordinates, and Data tells him that he's wrong and then just starts typing in different coordinates. Uh, he informs Picard that he was programmed with the correct location. As Picard and the rest of the crew are questioning him, Starfleet Command contacts Picard and informs him that they should follow Data's orders. Troy tries to unlock Data's mind uh, with no success. I guess she's trying to unlock uh, other information that he might have uh, secretly have programmed in him. All right, they arrive at Faltos and they beam down. They're greeted by a man named Bensley. Uh, he shows them the wonders of Faltos and uh, makes some odd comments along the way about how uh, everyone is stuck on the planet uh, without really any detail yet. Uh, he, ta- he takes them to the World Tribunal. There the crew uh, is told that Faltos exists in another plane of existence and that it is impossible for anybody to escape. Uh, for some reason, Data is reminded of the crystalline entity from uh, early episodes of The Next Generation. And that he might have a way to uh, escape Faltos since he was programmed with the way to get in. Uh, Picard, Crusher, and Chief Engineer Ar- Ars- Arlisle. Arsile? How would you say his name? Argyle? Argyle? Oh, that was a G. Sorry. Argyle arrive and they uh, operate on Data to unlock his memories. Come to find out the crystalline entity uh, was indeed from Faltos and it escaped. Uh, Dr. Soon somehow knew this and programmed the location and uh, way to get out into data. Uh, Most of the team beam back uh, straight to the Enterprise to make preparations for leaving. Picard offers the tribunal a way off the planet. They refuse and demand that Picard leaves right away uh, before any other Falto citizens find out that they can escape. Uh, The Enterprise does leave, and once they're back into the normal space, Bensley somehow, Bensley's still on the other planet, He's somehow able to erase all of Data's memory about uh, how to get to Faltos uh, so that uh, nobody else will uh, show up. There. And then that's, that's the end. Hmm. So uh, I, uh, out of all six that we've read of this miniseries, uh, I would say this is probably a little bit better than the Christmas one, but 
But it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's better than the Christmas one. It is better, but I wouldn't say leaps and bounds better. I mean, it yeah. was just like... When he just suddenly says... It's got oh, an, doesn't Bensley remind you of the crystalline It's got an general in it. He's an admiral. Or admiral. There you yeah, go. Andorian. Lots, How often do you see Andorians? I have a lot to talk about him so when we get there. But let's wait. Let's talk about the cover first. What'd you think? Um, I thought the cover. I thought the cover was kind of cool, except that the aliens that they're depicting in the cover look really alien, yep. and the people that really end up being at this planet are not. They're like normal kind of Federation citizen aliens. Yeah, yeah. But I do like how they're like on the planet. It has all this weird architecture, and then you can see in the sky the Enterprise D just to just hang around, show you how close to the planet the Enterprise is actually uh, flying. I think it's actually a really good, really cool picture. And they're kind of like with their the aliens yeah, have their hands open. Yeah, I agree. Them. It's just it's just they're never that low. I mean, come on. No, they never are. I mean, it, it, it was nice. It's, it's nice to see the Enterprise. It's just... And that's the way it it's is. It's never that long. Like, throughout the issue, when it shows the Enterprise there at Faltos, it's always that close in yeah. the sky. Yeah, I just thought it was a cool picture. It, it's a cool picture. I, I got something funny to say about... On page one, when Data is uh, telling Picard that uh, he's wrong, he's like all hunched over... Um, and it looks like they drew him so that they could actually put a word balloon above his head. Oh. He's <laughs> like, like, Data's head's in That's a way. good point. That's you got to hunch him over or something. I mean, he's like almost doubled over uh, turning is. around to talk to him. That is stupid. His head is almost horizontal. Yes. Yeah, and his head's actually lower than the, the station itself. Like his, Except, his why hand, would he do his that? His hand is on the, uh, on the, the navigation. Exactly. And, and his head is below that. He'd have to go out of the way to be in that position. And for what good reason? Unless you had a... Because uh, you had a word balloon over his head. A word balloon over his head. He didn't want to mess his hair up. Yeah, yeah and the thing is, as Data's doing all this stuff, he's, he's, I mean, he won't, he's not telling people what's going on. No, he's very secretive. Not really. No. And, and so he's really pissing the rest of the bridge crew off. Yeah, I think it's funny when, when Riker's like, you better put in the right coordinates. And then suddenly Jordy jumps up because he's at the con state or the... Yeah, the con station. He just jumps up and he like has his hand on Data. Please, Data, put it in the right way. What mm-hmm. are you doing? <laughs> and I keep wondering, I'm like, isn't he supposed to be doing something? Isn't he uh, supposed to be flying the ship? Yeah, Jordy. He, he can just jump up and start talking to somebody? I mean, I know they had to get it all in one little panel, so yeah, it made more sense for him to be standing there next to him. But it, just, it, was, it was just odd. And then he's just typing away without explaining anything. Yeah, which is another thing. This is all touch panels. What's all that ticka tacka ticka tacka? Well, you can still hear it. I mean, he's going that fast. Well, no, but didn't in next gen? Didn't they have the touch panels because yeah. it was so advanced? Yeah, but it still made noise. Beep 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 beep. Yeah. It, it, it makes it ticka tacka. It makes it sound like it's a mechanic. It makes it sound like something. it's a typewriter or something. Yeah, it does. But yeah, that's fine. How that's are you going to put in beep 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 that way? <laughs> Uh, I do think it's funny. Let's talk about when the Admiral shows up. Uh, he is Andorian, mm-hmm. um, which you don't see very often in the no. next generation. No. But look at his outfit. He's, oh, it's, he's wearing uh, a Wrath of Khan type exactly. uh, Starfleet uniform. Good point. That is totally out of date. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen, even back on the Enterprise C, their there uniforms in the Enterprise C were very Wrath of Khan-like. Um, but they looked more pajama-like than, than the really wooly-looking uh, shirts that Kirk wore in the movies. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, why would he still be wearing something that's at least uh, 
you know, at least what, 80 years 50 old, 50 years old, or something yeah. by this point, or however long back Enterprise C was supposed to be. Um, but another thing about the Andorian guy, when they first talk to him, uh, Picard calls him Admiral Thrivov, T H I V O V, hmm. Thrivov. And then in the very next panel, when he uh, disappears, uh, I think it's Riker says uh, something about Admiral Purcell. He's like, we lost Admiral Purcell. And yeah, I'm like, you, you just said his name was Admiral Thevov. That's all on page uh, four. Yeah. You're completely right. Admiral Purcell is gone, sir. Data's taken us out of communication range. Yeah. What, why make a mistake like that? I don't know, and it's on the same page. So maybe his name is... Is that his first name? Yeah. Thevov? Thevov Purcell? But Purcell? Purcell doesn't sound very Andorian. No, no. <laughs> So, of course, we are experts on Andorian names. Oh, absolutely. I can tell you nobody's Andorian yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> so the Andorian, he, he kind of hints that Starfleet knew about Data yeah. having this data. Exactly. Or having Data no, having no, this data. That's exactly. funny. Data having Not these coordinates in his, in his head. But, <laughs> but later on, we find out that it was uh, soon that, that put the data in, in his head. So. Ah. So it's kind of inconsistent. I'm, I was yeah. really confused. I was confused throughout this whole issue, I'll be honest yeah. with you. One, I couldn't tell why Bensley reminded him of the crystalline entity out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, exactly. And uh, they kind of try to explain it later, where they're like, oh, well, somehow Didn't your random job. logic uh, thing mm-hmm. put those two together, but I don't see it. Well, on page four, which, by the way, they got four pages of setup for this story. Right. Which is kind of interesting, so it's kind of like the series. Yeah. You know, four pages worth of setup before they have the big title page, which looks very cool, by the way. But before we get there, we've got on page four where Troy is going up, maybe I can help you with my Betazoid background. And it looks like a Betazoid background. Yeah, she looks like she's uh, helping... Uh, helping, helping Data, data with data some, with you some, know, loose some knots, yeah. knots in the, in the back muscles. Lucky man. And then she goes ahead and reads him. Yeah. You know, with the emotions. Yeah, and, and it's like, like shows her with these bonk, like rays coming bonk, out of her head. Bonk, bonk. <laughs> it's bad enough that she can read people's things, but come on, a machine, a machine is electronics. There's no alpha waves, beta waves, you know me. I hear ya. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, the. A year or so later, after this miniseries, they started up with a, an official series of uh, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as, as as I recall, it sticks closer to the main continuity that we all got from the series. So mm-hmm. you really got to give these people some, some leeway because yeah. I'm sure they made this, this these issues, or at least started these issues, way before the show even aired once. Right. So... But yeah, I agree. It's, it's yeah, a little, but I'm pretty sure they didn't. It's have, a little inconsistent. I'm pretty sure they didn't have data with emotions. You don't know what the uh, rough draft might have been. It might have been he was more like uh, lore than data, and then they changed Maybe. it at the end. I'm just doubting. Possible. You don't know. All right. So when they uh, you like that page on page five where they actually make it to Faltos? Yeah, it does look pretty cool. Yeah. And they're like right on top of it. They're in collision course because it's big. Yeah, they like just the, just out of nowhere. They're in normal space, and then boom, they're they're like right above the planet, and there's all these purpley clouds like whisking, uh, whisking towards it. Mm. It looks pretty cool. Riker, as soon as they see it, Riker's like one of the twelve wonders of the universe. 
And I was thinking to myself, in the previous page, you said no human has ever been this far into space, mm-hmm. and nobody has ever gone to Faltos and made it. It's it's mythical. How would you know and about it? And then he's like, oh, this is the one of the 12 wonders of the universe. And I'm like, it's not Ryza. <laughs> <laughs> Ryza. Yeah, Ryza. Isn't that where they're always wanting to go because oh, it's so Oh, I know, great? but that's not a 12 wonder. It's like it's like Vegas or something. Yeah, it's like Hawaii. It's like vacation. It. Well, they love it because the morals are loose, and that's a place for fun. Isn't that where Picard met? Um, yeah, uh, what's her name? Uh, I knew her name. I thought she was really cute. talking. Um, Vaj. 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 Yeah. Vaj. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty cute. Intelligent, you know. Some, you know. And she was a, you know, just one episode, and then one episode of Deep Space Nine, and you never hear her again. So I, something I did like about this is. They had the mystery starting on page um, on page four, where basically they don't know how they, how um, how Data knows this. So I thought that was a nice mystery kind of kicking off. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder how would Data know? Better be a good payoff. And then, as you had mentioned in the opening, uh, several pages later, when they're actually beamed down to the planet and they're talking to people and. Um, and the guy who came out to meet them, what was his name? Bensley. Bensley. So one of the first things Bensley says, may your stay with us be as pleasant as it is long. It's like, uh-huh. Yep. And then I'm he, getting the feeling about something here. And then he does say something about how, you know, uh, we try to make everything uh, as nice as possible since you're since we're stuck here or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, here he uh, it has to be beautiful here. Otherwise, it might not be so bearable. <laughs> <laughs> bearable? More clues to the mystery. And then it's pretty, then it's pretty obvious, he says. Right. So uh, he's, they're introduced to the tribunal. Let's, let's talk about those guys real quick. So Bensley definitely looks human. Um, no, before we go oh, there, okay. I, I just got to mention this. Please. Uh, on page 8... There, just before you go into the council, or actually as you're walking towards the council chamber, you got Riker and Troy talking. Riker is stupid. I mean, he is thicky. Why do you say that? Well, because, because Troy, who looks pissed, by the way, I mean, she looks like she's about to take Riker's head off. I am concerned about some of the things ben, Bensley said. More important, I do not feel right about this place. And then Riker's like, with all due respect... To your Betazoid ancestry. <laughs> uh, and talent, Deanna. I'm not quite so concerned. So basically, <laughs> take it easy, baby. What is it, that time of month? Just take it easy. And she's the one that knows what's going on. Yeah. There's something going on wrong here. I didn't catch that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. And look at her. I mean, she's pissed. Look at that face. She's angry. Yeah. And her hands all out like she's like thrusting it into his chest. Exactly. Listen to me. Exactly. Wake <laughs> up, you idiot. Yeah, okay, so with these guys, yes. Yeah, what do you think about the that? Console. So Bensley's definitely human or humanoid. Mm, right. uh, he's wearing like some sort of like V outfit. Uh, I mean, when I say V, it just looks like it's a V that starts at his shoulders and goes to his uh, groin area, and that's. It. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks it looks very much like an original series type outfit that they would have yeah. given an alien. So I don't I keep, remember that particular alien. I, I, I don't either, but, but I keep wondering. Like, I wonder, because obviously the other two are definitely uh, homages to uh, yeah. original series right. aliens. So there's a Klingon, yeah. 
And then the other one is I forgot their names. Um, but obviously, Cheerion, Cheerion, the the half white, half face guys right, from right. that episode from that, of uh, from that classic third season episode. It was a third season. Third season. And what's it called? Uh, Title boy. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. It's called Let That. Well, excuse me. Let that be your last battlefield. Oh, okay. it was a long one. Yeah, that, that's that's with uh, Frank Gersh. Uh, George, uh, no, oh. George Gershwin. <laughs> Frank, Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin, yeah. And then the other guy, I have no idea what his name is, but he's been all kinds of, all kinds of movies. But if you watch that episode, keep in mind Frank Gorshwin was uh, Riddler in, in most of the seasons of Batman, the, the original series, before he was replaced by, um, uh, dude, I forgot his name. Gomez Adams, uh, what's his name? Oh, John Aston. John Aston, yeah. Oh God. So in the first two seasons hmm. and some of the third season, he was played by Frank Gershwin, and, and obviously Batman was really had the weird camera angles and the right. weird pan right. in, pan out type thing. If you watch that episode of Star Trek, for whatever reason, every time there's a red alert, the camera does this weird like zoom in on the red alert, zoom out, zoom in, zoom ah! out, zoom out. <laughs> and I remember watching. I'm like, are they doing this because he's a Frank Batman Gorshin. guy and, uh, you know, people might watch this show because yeah. they're fans of him. Right. I don't know. Uh, but I don't remember them ever doing it in another episode. But anyways, I did like how it had those guys, those Cheerions. Yeah. Because uh, I've never seen him in anything else that I know of right. except for that one random episode. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. And then the Klingons. Now, if one of those guys did that to Data, it'd make a little more sense because obviously they had enough powers to be shooting lightning at the uh, at the bridge control oh, and taking right. over the Enterprise. That's right. They did have powers. Yeah, you mean uh, erase Data's memory later. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Instead yes. of Bensley going. Later. The Klingon I thought was kind of cool because he definitely doesn't look like the Worf type next generation Klingons, which kind of look like they have a turtle on their heads. Right. Uh, he looks like... like Christopher Lloyd did and uh, that type of era Klingon where it was just like basically this long ridge this one long ridge over their head right like a line I just thought it was kind of cool because he is supposed to have been there for a long time and you're kind of thinking well maybe that's what Klingons looked like 80 years ago I really don't have a lot to talk about this one like I said I was confused through most of it Um, well I definitely was hoping for a good payoff at the end uh, a good mystery but I guess we didn't really get it. Uh, one of the things I did want to talk about is on uh, page answer 12. Answer the mystery. Right, I agree. I'm sorry to cut you off. Page 12, when uh, when Troy is actually voicing her concerns to Picard, who's still aboard the ship, and then uh, Data comes up and says, excuse me, I think I might know how to get out if I knew how to get in. Mm-hmm. But when she is uh, talking through her communicator, there's this cool picture where it's just a picture of a communicator, and it has like Picard's face in it and, you know... Mm-hmm. I just really like that. I mean, we talked about it in earlier uh, episodes where, you know, you would have this weird, um, this really cool dynamic of, you know, the half the page was Picard's face, half of it was Crusher's face, but they were not on the same mm-hmm. line, yet they were still talking to each other, you know. Right. So I, I really like how they kind of take some liberties that you can do with comic books where mm-hmm. they kind of make things look uh, original. Uh, when we get to it, when we start reading some of the IDW comics, which is the newest version, the yeah. newest license uh, holder of Star Trek, they don't do anything like that. It's all squares. Mm-hmm. So they're and and their their thought is that you know we wanted to make it look like it was an episode of the show, and oh. you see the episode of the show and it's a square. Yeah. And so a lot of times in that series, in those issues, you'll on one page it'll just be four like widescreen type squares. 
And then on the next page, four widescreen type squares. Right. So it kind of looks more like a, it looks more like a um, you know uh, I forgot what they call it. Wild West. No, well, what do they call it when uh, when they're planning out a, a, a scene or something? Storyboards. And storyboards. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like four storyboards on one page, four storyboards on the other page. Ah. And when I first you know I'm reading these comics, and when I first noticed it, I thought it was kind of cool because there was like a little bit of action going on in the background. While these other the two main characters were just talking, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool that it looks you can see what's happening in the background while these two guys are talking. Mm-hmm. And I turned the page, and they're still doing it. And I'm it's like, the same yeah, thing. so they do it quite a bit in uh-huh. those issues. And and now that I and then I kind of read why they were doing it, and I'm like, okay, I get it, but come on, I want to see. I mean, it's a comic book; you can have a lot more liberties with uh, the visual medium than you can on a regular TV show. But but oh well, I digress. I just really like this. I thought they, this little. It's a nice little visual. So it is. It is creative. And, of course, it has two icons of the next generation world, the communicator and Picard. So I really don't have anything until we get to page 18, which is when Data um, has his memories unlocked. And this is actually the last thing I have. Data finally has his memories unlocked because uh, they took his back apart and somehow was able to fix his memories. Um, And... Data makes a comment that he, that soon somehow knew that the crystalline entity was going to come kill all the colonists, mm-hmm. and yet he didn't do anything to stop it. And, he, you know, obviously Data's like, this is just as bad as if you found out that uh, uh, Khan was your father or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, that's funny because in Star Trek Enterprise, uh, you find out that one of the ancestors of Nuni and Soong did build a new generation of superhumans like Khan. So, I mean, I just thought it was... I, mean, I just thought that was cool that you kind of are the grandson of uh, a Khan or somebody... Isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Data, if you only knew. Exactly. <laughs> if you only knew the episode that will come out in about 15 years where it kind of proves that you are. Not Khan uh, himself, I, I but I guess you really feel bad Khan. then, huh? <laughs> Data? And what I thought was funny is that I know that in the an early episode, probably the the, the lore episode, uh, they find out how to turn Data off by punching his back right there mm-hmm. at the spine, and Crusher is supposed to keep it secret. But uh, also here on page eighteen, up at the top, uh, actually no, I'm wrong. Yeah, it's for the back. Uh, on page fifteen, when they're first taking him apart. Mm-hmm. They're standing in front of everybody, and and our our guy was standing right there, uh, right next to Crusher. And Data turns back and he said, "All right, Doctor, please keep my secret while you turn me off." And then she's like, she makes some sexual comment that uh, I fully understand, Data. Nobody likes their turn ons and turn offs to be known or common knowledge. And uh, yeah. but there's, Argyle's right there. They're talking about it right in front of everybody, okay. and I'm like, it's a big so. Did secret. everybody see what I'm doing here? The, the off button is right here. Exactly. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. All right, that's it for me. I uh, like I said, I wasn't too thrilled with this. I really don't understand how Data figured out that soon programmed him after we already heard from the Admiral that they did it, and how it had to do anything with the Crystalline Entity. I was confused. It's a bit confusing. I was confused. A bit confusing. But what I want us to talk about as a final thing is the shot of Scotty on uh, on the back page, the uh, second to last page yeah. in the comic book, coming attractions. 
Yep. Talking about apparently the uh, original Trek series, comic book yep. series going on. That was uh, Star Trek Annual Number 3. There you go. Co-written by Jimmy Doohan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And, uh, and and there you go. Scotty's getting a little uh, kiss in action yep. with some, uh, some blonde floozy, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's from Jupiter 5. Oh. <laughs> Jupiter no. 5. Is that from the original? It's from the Gold Key comic. Exactly. Like, number 34. Yes, yes, yes. Scotty, yeah. you dog you. What I, I want to talk about this uh, this other issue uh, advertisement for uh, episode or issue number fifty three of the original series, and it shows like Kirk laying on the ground, McCoy kneeling beside him, and then like you see this ghost of uh, Kirk coming out of his chest. Hmm. Uh, this epi- this issue is actually called "You're Dead, Jim." <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And again, this was to... this is about when I got really into the Star Trek comics. So I remember buying this off the shelf and just thinking, "This is awesome!" Your <laughs> um, that was actually uh, geek delight. Uh, it was actually written by uh, Peter David. Oh. As uh, as you probably know, Peter David he started off writing the Star Trek comic books, but he's written quite a bit of Star Trek novels. Oh yeah. Uh, I really like him. I think I really like his comic books, and I really like his uh, his novels. All right. So speaking Excellent. of novels, let's go straight into uh, what else is happening in the uh, Star Trek expanded universe these months. So we're talking about May 1988. Uh, nothing much happened that that month. Uh, the Star Trek: The Original Series comic issue number 50 uh, and Star Trek: The Next Generation number four, which we just reviewed, came out that month. But uh, June, uh, in addition to having uh, issue number 51 of the original series and number 5 of the Next Generation series, had a novel that came out called Time Trap by David Dvorkin. Now, I haven't read this one, but just reading the little synopsis, uh, I'm definitely going to run out and buy it. But basically what happens is that uh, Enterprise uh, is going to uh, pick up an SOS from a Klingon ship, and... um, Somehow, some way, uh, they're they're trapped in a like a space time continuum type thing, uh, and somehow Kirk gets uh, sucked up into it and wakes up one hundred years in the future. <laughs> so wouldn't this put Kirk right in the timeline of the Next Generation, or, or very long. shortly after it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I am very interested in reading this book because the book came out after the Next Generation had already been pretty much through its first season. So yeah. you would think that it ha- they have to make some sort of references to Picard and Company. So you would hope. And I'm just surprised that this book has somehow has never caught my attention before. Well, certainly not now. Yep. So uh, and then the other thing is uh, July 1988. Uh, we had issue number 52 of the original series, uh, the one that uh, you're dead, Jim. Oh, actually, no, that was uh, that hell in the handbasket thing. <coughs> We're kind of messed up on our... Uh, on Oh, that the you're dead, Jim was the coming attraction. Hell in the handbasket is what came out that month. Ah. Okay. And then uh, The Next Generation, uh, number six. But there was another novel that came out, the first original novel based in The Next Generation timeline. So... Around the time that Encounter at Farpoint was released, there was a novel for Encounter at Farpoint, which is technically the first Next Generation novel. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's called Ghost Ship by Diane Carey, who also writes quite a bit of Star Trek uh, novels, quite a few Star Trek novels. Uh, she was uh, she wrote the very first uh, Star Trek The Next Generation novel, and it, it's a, it kind of time travel type thing, too, where 
1995, which would be about 13 years before this, 13 years after this this book was written, but uh, in Star Trek timeline, 1995, Soviet aircraft gets lost by a mysterious space creature, and then you know 300 years later, the space creature is now about to destroy the Enterprise, and somehow Deanna Troy is able to um, read the spirits or whatever from that ancient uh, Earth Russian vessel. So. Uh, I haven't read this one either, but it looks pretty interesting. Um, again, I just think it's cool because that's the first original novel. I, I'm I'm a big fan of the original novels and not necessarily novelizations, right? Because yeah, I've seen the episode. But sometimes, yeah, I don't care about the episodes. Yeah, I mean sometimes you get extra little things like the novelization of the of the movie Star Trek Eleven. Yeah, that was pretty good. Had a few extra little twists there you didn't have before. <clears throat> but in general, I don't like novelizations. Yeah. Well, one of the best novelizations, and I think it was actually written by Diane Carey, and I'm probably totally wrong, and uh, somebody's going to beat me up. But anyways, there was a novelization for Star Trek Generations, which was an okay movie. It wasn't great. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it has the, the part where Kirk is on Enterprise B and dies. Mm-hmm. And then it's... So you think. And then it continues in that era where Spock and McCoy are at Kirk's funeral or memorial service. Mm-hmm. And you have Spock, uh, you know, Spock's not emotional or anything, and then Kirk, uh, McCoy's, like, really blaming himself. He's like, we were both invited to go to that launching, and we didn't go. And he's like, and then Spock's like, well, I don't see how that had anything to do with, you know, Kirk dying. And he's like, damn it, don't you know? He's like, Kirk told us. He told us that he would die when we weren't with him. Because remember in Star Trek Five, uh, oh. when he falls off that ledge when Spock saves him he says you know weren't you worried he's like no I knew I wouldn't die because you guys were here right right. and so I just thought I I remember reading that and I'm like that's awesome that they brought that back (laughs) and that you know McCoy would beat him up himself up about that you know that you know he would somehow feel responsible for Kirk's death right or supposed death so anyways I I'm like I said I don't really usually read the novelizations but that one was just like that that scene right there made 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 it worthwhile. That's cool. So uh, that's it for uh, episode number six. So we'll start back up with episode number seven, and I think we're going to uh, jump up to Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Ba-da-da-da. So it was the first Da-da-da. comic books. You done? Da-da-da-da. <laughs> yes, I'm done. The I first comic book cracks. publisher that had that was uh, Malibu Comics. So we'll read issues number one, two, and three of the Star Trek The Next Generation Malibu comic series. I'm looking forward to it. Which I have not read, so I'm actually kind of looking forward so to this. So this is something new for this both of us. This will be new for both of us. Excellent. All right, so that being said, I hope everybody has a, a good uh, week, and we'll talk to you soon. On Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Nice. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic, second name Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.